Good morning, everyone. I, I don't use the one that's around because I have my glasses on. I also take them off, and um, I think I've destroyed one of those mics before, so let's not uh, go back there. It's great to share with you around God's Word and later uh, around the Lord's Supper, and uh, we're going to look at the theme, uh, Unity and Steadfastness in Faith, and there is an outline that was inserted in the bulletin. Please join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we believe that your word is living and active and speaks to our condition. It convicts us, it equips us, and it spurs us on as believers to live for the Lord. And so we pray that through the help of the Holy Spirit, we might be receptive and that your word will take root and bear fruit in our lives for your glory. Amen. Do you know what was uh, special about yesterday? Yesterday was a special day. Does anyone know why yesterday was special? So I didn't hear that. Um, I'm not referring to the second. I'm not referring to the second night of Taylor Swift concert in Sydney. Actually, who went to the Taylor Swift concerts? Put up your hands. Any Swifties here? Yes. This might give you a clue about yesterday. It's the it's the final or the official end of Chinese New Year, and the Hokkien's call it Jiakou Chinese New Year is a spring festival. It's about new growth. It's about development. It's about moving forward in life. And when our CG group uh, commenced for this calendar year, we went around sharing what our goals uh, might be for the group. And most of them said, we would like to see all of us as members growing together. And so before we look at the passage uh, that Jules read for us, let me challenge us with two simple questions. To what extent are you and I seeking to uh, grow as men and women of faith? And to what extent are we growing both as individuals but also collectively together as God's people? As you recall, Paul was in prison when he wrote Philippians. And perhaps one of the reasons he wrote it was to encourage these Philippian Christians to continue to grow individually as well as collectively as men and women of faith. They had previously worshipped pagan idols. They turned from that, put it behind them, and Paul was seeking to encourage them uh, to grow and mature. And when Chong led the service at the very beginning, he referred to Paul's prayer for these Philippians. We can read this in chapter 1, verses 6, 9, and 10 that God would do a work in them and continue that until the day of Christ Jesus, that they would abound in love, knowledge, and depth of insight, that they would grow in spiritual discernment, and they would live pure and blameless lives until the day of the Lord. Do you see the context? The now, and then the imminent future, the day of the Lord. And if we look throughout the epistle of Philippians, Paul underlines 
unity and steadfastness in the faith. And that's our theme uh, this morning. And prayer is central to this. We know that the church in Philippi was established by prayer. You can read about it in Acts 16, 13 to 15. Women and a few others gathered at a place for prayer. That was the birth of this congregation. And it's not without significance that in verse 6 of the reading, Paul speaks about prayer and he's talking about individuals and the congregation collectively growing through prayer. And so before we look at the text, let me just ask, to what extent does prayer have in our lives, in our individual lives uh, before the Lord, in our CGs, and in our church as a whole? When was the last time you received a snail mail? You may perhaps have never received a snail mail. But when people write letters there's a reason for writing a letter. And when we receive a snail mail letter, we read it again and again and again. In our modern age, we communicate in short sentences or clauses and not extended discussion. But if we look at Philippians as a whole, it's full of exhortations to grow. He wants the Philippians to grow and keep on growing individually and collectively. Chapter 2, verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Chapter 3, verse 13, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead. Chapter 3, verse 14, press on toward the goal. The whole epistle is full of these exhortations to keep on growing and developing individually and collectively. And we fast coming towards the end of this sermon series on Philippians, and I trust you've been encouraged, you've been challenged. But the reality is, are we going to apply the exhortations we've learned to ourselves? So we're talking about individuals, and we're talking about us together. And one uh, example, one good test case for this is the marriage relationship. When I first came to, it was in those days... Uh, uh, Burwood PM, Burwood at 5, and did it become Burwood at 4? Anyway, um, most of you were individuals. But as I look today, uh, there are still some individuals, but many of you have married and some of you have, have children. And you begin to understand the dynamics between growing as an, as an individual and in the husband-wife relationship, growing together as children of God. And of course, in the growing process, there are growing pains. And this is what one of the things that Paul seeks to address in the epistle to the Philippians. And so we're going to look at three areas, conflict resolution, a life of faith that's characterized by rejoicing in the Lord, gentleness, prayer, and peace, and then finally, a life of faith that reflects God's character. Paul writes, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. How do we resolve conflicts? And the way that we resolve conflicts is in a sense, a measure of, uh, of the relationship. 
And in the church context, the way we resolve conflicts is a measure of our spiritual maturity. Notice Paul, he pleads with these two women. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche. It's a letter to the whole church. And there's another person that's mentioned in the verses, but that person's not named. He's referred to you, I ask you, my true companion, help these women. But the women are named. Presumably because the conflict was serious, the church was struggling to resolve it. And there's perhaps some irony in the names of these women. Euodia means uh, sweet fragrance. Hao Xian. Sintika means fortunate. Hao Ming. There's some irony. And they're obviously very capable. And could it be they were church leaders in Philippi? But certainly they were co-workers with Paul. They contended with Paul for the work of the gospel. And this verb, contend, is similar to many other verbs that we find in Philippians. Strive and so on. Verbs taken from the world of athletics. They were striving together with Paul. But now there is a conflict. But Paul acknowledges that their names are written in the book of life. And what this means is that in Paul's mind, there was no doubt that they were believers. You can read John's first epistle. He points out they left us. They walked out of the congregation. They departed from our midst because they were not really with us, part of us. In other words, they appeared to be true believers, but they were not. But in this case, Paul was quite certain both Euodia and Syndica were true believers. Their names are in the book of life. But what about you? You sit here this morning. I can't see into your heart. Are you a true believer? Is your name written in the book of life? We didn't have a reflection on the uh, weekly catechism. But the last sentence says, but those who do not trust in Christ will be raised to everlasting death. The D word. Their names are not in the book of life. And if you are here this morning and uh, you're not yet a believer and you're searching... And I trust this sermon series in Philippians will have opened up uh, your understanding uh, to God's grace, his free gift of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. But what's clear, by mentioning the names of Euodian Syndica, Paul is saying that Christians are far from perfect. Like all believers, Euodia and Syndica were sinners redeemed by Christ and they needed to work through their conflict. And Paul seeks the help of someone in the congregation, perhaps a senior elder. I ask you, my true companion, help these women. Now we know that this was heavy on Paul's heart because the previous verse, which uh, we didn't read, verse 1 of chapter 4 reads, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love... And long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Paul really cared for them. And it grieved him that two co-workers were in this conflict. Paul was widely experienced in many churches. They all had their peculiar dynamics. But each and every one of them, he was aware that Satan likes to work in the background disturb conflict. You can look at 2 Corinthians 
2, 10 and 11, he talks about an issue that's been finished, it should be over and gone, we should move on, and then Paul says, let's move on. I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I haven't got my glasses on, but uh, excuse me, uh, Brianna, we're talking about conflicts in churches. Sadly, many Korean churches split up. If you're not aware of that, they split up all the time. And the reason churches uh, have conflicts are to do with money matters, uh, ministry strategy matters, to do with building and equipment, pastoral care of members, and what I call liturgical matters. Liturgical matters is how we how we uh, conduct the, the Sunday service, the public worship. It involves music. Uh, and for our particular church, let me share with you, some people uh, are not happy with the prayer of confession, the way it's worded and the way it's done, and they're given feedback, and from what I could see, wasn't handled in the best way. We are not a perfect church. Conflicts do arise. How are we dealing with conflicts? So I've mentioned to you that Paul has written a letter very carefully. He's addressing various themes, and one of them is conflict. And already he's talked about important aspects of life together as believers. First of all, he talks about fellowship or partnership in the gospel. They're chapters 1, verse 5, 7, chapter 2, verse 1. I think these verses are in the outline. And then being like-minded and having the same love. That's in chapter 2, 1 and 2. Humbly value others above yourself, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and the intervention in, this, in the verses we just read of a true companion. In other words, grab the bull by the horn. The person is more mature. The people who are more mature take action, lest the conflict uh, uh, develop and split the church. So let's do some in- introspection. How are we dealing with conflict? Paul was addressing how the Philippians were dealing with conflict, but how are we dealing with conflict in our CG? Perhaps there's a person in your CG that uh, doesn't seem to or makes little effort to fit in, and it's a bit of a challenge. Or what about in our church as a whole? So do pray for our elders and pastors and all our CG leaders. Our second point is a life of faith that's characterized by rejoicing in the Lord, gentleness, prayer, and peace. Let me read again verses uh, 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart's and your minds uh, in Christ Jesus. And usually when we read these verses, we apply them to ourselves as individuals, and that's a correct thing to do. And they're very uh, comforting words uh, for believers throughout the centuries as we face various uh, challenges in life uh, as, as believers in this fallen world. But I want to uh, uh, invite us today to look at from the point of view of the Philippian congregation as a whole, as part of Paul's strategy or exhortation for them to deal with their issues and the conflicts within their church. And the conflict between Euodia and Syndica was probably just one of several conflicts. 
First of all, it talks about rejoicing in the Lord, and the context is in the Lord. And then it talks about gentleness. And gentleness doesn't need to beat a drum. Where there is gentleness, it will be evident to all. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And in Galatians 5 verse 23, when Paul uh, talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he particularly highlights gentleness and self-control. And as I indicated a little bit earlier on, Paul refers to prayer. And he's talking about prayer collectively. Prayer is a church, prayer in small groups. He's not talking about people who are known to actively attend every prayer meeting of the church. But prayer in the sense that each and every one utterly depends on God, not only for their individual lives, but for their lives collectively as a congregation. And then Paul speaks about peace. Peace in the heart, peace in the mind, which is only possible if uh, we have a quiet confidence in the sovereignty of God. God's in control, he's got a purpose for my life, and he will work in my life. God's in control. This is his church. Christ died for this church. And he's in control. And he will provide. He will raise up men and women at the right time to deal with the problems of the issues or conflicts. And the context is the Lord is near. We've already referred to that when Paul, in his prayer, was praying until the day of Christ. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And uh, the Lord's Supper is rich uh, of spiritual meaning, and there are many aspects that we might focus or zoom in on. But this morning, I want to encourage us to focus on uh, firstly celebrating or rejoicing, and then second, uh, secondly, unity. Celebrating or rejoicing in the benefits of Christ's finished work on the cross, both for us as individuals, but for us collectively as brothers and sisters in Christ. Of, of the family Grace Point Presbyterian Church of Burwood. But let's also focus on unity, being at one with God and also at one with one another. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we do so as God's covenant people because, in a sense, the Lord's Supper is the covenant meal. We're just saying we will stand as children of the promise. That is, we will stand as children of the covenant. We will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward. Till the race is finished and the work is done, we will walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, I think two Sundays ago, uh, Andrew Popo preached on Philippians 2. Remember, one of the key verses, chapters 10 and 11, were, was about every knee bowing before Christ. Another reminder about being prepared for the second coming of Jesus, the end of human history, when we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's what we're just saying. Uh, I think our, our opening hymn. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. And then thirdly and finally... Paul exhorts the Philippians, there for us as we read the passage today, 
to live a life of faith that reflects God's character. So let me read again verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. All positive virtues, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. The complete opposite of the values of our contemporary world. And not surprisingly, in this exhortation, Paul refers to our minds. Think about such things. And Paul's given the example to the Philippians of his own life. And he wants the Philippians to think about these virtues, but also to put them into practice. Paul is urging us to put authentic faith into practice. And as he comes towards the end of, the, of his uh, letter or epistle of Philippians, he's really trying to say to them, you guys have come a long way in growing as believers. Previously, you were pagan worshippers. You were living in darkness. But now you are living and growing as believers and disciples in Jesus Christ. You're growing in knowledge. You're growing in insight. You're growing in this spiritual discernment. But are you putting that into practice? And if so, why do you have such conflicts? Why do you have these other issues? In his epistles, James, the Apostle James writes, faith without works is dead. That is, it's not true, it's not authentic faith. How long have you been a person of faith? How have you navigated the twists and turns and the challenges of growing as a believer? Is God's character being progressively a reality in your life so that it impacts on how others view you and it impacts on how you interact with others? I did ask earlier on, are you a Taylor Swift fan? Are you a Taylor Swift fan? I actually knew nothing about Taylor Swift. Um, I know a little bit about Jonathan Swift from English literature. Uh, but people in my cell group tell me uh, there are some people who like Taylor Swift and some people can't stand Taylor Swift. And I understand her tour is called the ERAS tour. And I thought, that's exciting. It applies to me. Because do you know what ERAS stands for? Enhanced recovery after surgery. And you... <laughs> and you Dr. Victor knew that, and I had major surgery more than a year ago, and every day is still a challenge, so I need ERAS. But, but I understand it refers to eras. The eras of her 10 studio albums, and the last album, 2022, was the album Midnights. Each concert, 44 songs. They're grouped into 10 distinct acts. And if you look at the words of the songs, they are a diary of her life. And she's on record of saying, I tell stories. I make confessions. And if you are a Swifty and you know the words, you know the context, the historical context, 
you know, even though the name is not mentioned, she's talking about her boyfriend, that boyfriend at that period. And the fans know. And who was just here and has flown back to the States? Travis Kelsey. He wears her friendship bracelet. Where is it all heading? Who will be the next boyfriend after Travis Kelsey? If you're a Swifty, you know the number of boyfriends she's had. Who will be the next boyfriend after Travis Kelsey? You know she's making millions? And she's having an impact on the world. She's having an impact on the world economy. Are you studying, or did you study economy 101? Um, is there a Singaporean here? I always get confused. Malaysians are not Singaporean. It is Singaporean here. <laughs> My wife changed um, citizenship, so technically not Singaporean. I understand the Singapore government spent two to three million dollars so that her heiress tour went to Singapore and not Hong Kong and not Bangkok, so that Singapore economy would gain from it. But where is her life headed? What, what did Chong say in, in the prayer? Achievement, success, accumulation. Did you hear that in the prayer? Achievement, success, accumulation. And if you listen to Taylor Swift, she's setting more goals. I'm here, but I want to go there. And after there, I want to go thither. She's all about honesty and achieving more. But the Christian life is different. It's not about achieving. The Christian life is Christ-centered. And if you've been paying attention to all the sermons from Andrew, it's about the grace of God, God's provision. And in response, it's our steadfastness in faith, and it's our unity with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me ask again, how long ago was it that you began your spiritual journey as a believer? Have there been phases or eras in your own personal spiritual journey? Times where you're on fire spiritually. And uh, I can say publicly, one of you, uh, I met you and your parents uh, at uh, West, West Ashfield having dinner, and I said to the parents, Oh, nigga Jay, Faisong Yitzong, Faisong Yitzong, Faisong Sifong. That was how many years ago? Uh, in other words, that person was spiritually on fire and really serving the Lord. Was that a phase in your life? Were there phases or eras when you drifted away from the Lord? And do you know where you're headed? Taylor thinks she knows where she's headed. Do you know where you're headed spiritually? Do you remember the catechism? Are we going to have everlasting life? or we're going to have everlasting death. Taylor's honest. She can be upfront and say it as it is. But what are, what are your honest answers to these questions? Can you be honest with yourself and honest before God about your spiritual health? So in closing, let me go back to Paul's testimony in chapter 3. He forgets what is behind. He presses forward to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And as you and I press forward to the day when Christ will return, 
we need to deal with the conflicts that arise. And God's character will need to progressively be a reality in our lives as we seek to live with authentic faith. Are you a man or woman of faith? Are you living a life of faith? And is our church, Grace Point Presbyterian Church Burwood, noted for its members as men and women of faith? I often try to end a sermon with an acronym, and usually they are suggestions that are given to me by members. So no one dobbed in somebody's name, so I chose the name of um, Jordan and uh, Jennifer's daughter, Tasha. So let me just close with these simple points. Talk with one another. English is a very complicated language. English has very strange terms. I discovered someone in our cell group, CG, didn't know the English word paraphernalia. English is a very, very complicated language, not only in words, terminology, but in the way put together. Talk with one another. It's not the same as talk to one another. I'm talking to you. But talk with one another is also listening because you're going to talk to me. Accept one another, serve one another, honour one another, appreciate one another. Let's just be, not just be hearers of God's word, but above all doers. Amen.